I'm AJ Bianco from Podcast PD, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows in the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Hey, welcome back. Steve here, and today I'm talking with Dr. Amanita. He is the author of Teaching Mindfulness, a guidebook for teachers, parents, counselors, and caregivers. What a wonderful book. What a wonderful talk. So much to learn. Thanks for listening. And uh, by the way, before you go, it would be so cool if you would go to my website, stephenmaletto.com slash reviews, and left a review. Could you do that for me? That would be so nice. You are awesome. Enjoy the show. Hey, do you like awesome rings? you need a ring to replace one that you lost ages ago? Or do you need a new wedding band because yours is no longer fixable? Well, <laughs> I have this cool sponsor, Boone Titanium Rings. They can be found at boonrings.com. They make their rings from titanium and you can get the rings carved, engraved, inlaid, laser cut. There's even special collections like the Hunter Series or the Gamer Rings or the Black Zirconium. Very cool. They have models that have meteorite, wood, or other inlays. Check out BoonRings.com. And at checkout, use the code for my podcast. It's capital T, capital L, capital L, capital K, and the number 12. T-L-L-K-12. And you will get 10% off the total. And you will help this podcast out. Thanks so much. I love my ring. And I know you will love yours. It's the education podcast, your favorite show, with lots of groovy guests and they share what they know. So crank it up to 10 and let your neighbors know that here's another show with Dr. Steve Milletto. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Teaching, learning, leading, K-12. Ah, ah, with Dr. Steve Milletto. Dr. Amanita is currently a psychology professor at Fort Lewis College in Durango, Colorado, and adjunct faculty and clinical supervisor in the Counseling Psychology Program at Assumption University in Thailand. Jana York, MS, a children's mindfulness educator, is the author of You is for Understanding, Claire's Journey Toward Mindfulness. She is a resident of Utah. Today, we are focused on their book, Teaching Mindfulness, a guidebook for teachers, parents, counselors, and caregivers. Amanita, thanks for joining me today. Great to have you on the show, and say hi to everyone. Hello, everyone out there in the net, uh, and I really want to thank you all for tuning in and listening, and, and definitely want to thank Steve for inviting me on here. You know, it's uh, great to be invited to this great uh, podcast. Uh, I see that you're doing really interesting and, and, and amazing work yourself uh, on teaching mindfulness and promoting kind of the wonders of it. Well, thank you. It's it's great to have you on, and uh, looking forward to what you're talking about, and I your book's awesome. It's uh, I got to tell the listeners that uh, it's it's just got a great uh, look and feel to it, and it's easy to read. and And uh, and we'll talk more about that in a little bit, but it'd be easy to use too. So good stuff. And uh, well, glad that you're here. And let's start by talking about this, Doctor Amanita. Uh, today we're focused on your book, Teaching Mindfulness: A Guidebook for Teachers, Parents, Counselors, and Caregivers. So, what is mindfulness? Yeah, great. Uh, first, thanks for the compliment. I, I, I also was very happy with the way the ter- book turned out in terms of quality and everything. The, the uh, publishers did an excellent job on that. And so this question about what is mindfulness, so that's obviously a, a complex question, but, but uh, simply put, uh, westernized kind of mindfulness was, was uh, uh, coined, I, I suppose, and, and uh, d- defined by uh, John Kabat-Zinn. He, he calls it paying attention in a particular way, on purpose, in the present moment, 
and non-judgmentally. So obviously there, there, there are a lot of parts to that, but mostly being, being very present, not judgment judging and, 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 and paying attention. Uh, you know, in, in terms of what is mindfulness, uh, uh, you know, much more than, than, than I could uh, talk about in a, in a brief amount of time here, but kind of originally coming out of uh, some of those Eastern spiritual practices, likely Buddhism, and is much more deeper and even more meaningful than I personally can understand or, or give credit to it. Uh, in, in fact, I, I recently discovered that kind of the way that we commodify and teach it in the West including uh, our, our own book here, uh, sometimes for profit, for example, can be a form of cultural appropriation, which I feel a little uncomfortable with coming from a culture that it has often been uh, misappropriated over the years. Uh, so naturally, that was not our intention in, in reading that. And in fact, uh, myself and, and the uh, book special contributor, uh, Jonna York, uh, we want to. Uh, we don't want to make any kind of profit uh, uh, from from the book. Uh, we're actually in the in the process of kind of brainstorming ways to donate some of the proceeds to further teaching mindfulness, or maybe even using uh, that that those proceeds to to donate books for those who can't afford it. Uh, but despite those kind of more spiritual origins of mindfulness, the way that we teach it uh, is really completely secular. Uh, divorced from that spiritual practice. And that was intentional for quite a few different reasons. One, uh, the average person is usually not willing to kind of dedicate time and commitment to the more spiritual practice, which takes a, a much more uh, uh, consuming of, of somebody's life. And then what we discover, what, what we know from research on mindfulness is even those basic non-spiritual practice can reap uh, mental, physical, and even societal benefits. And then lastly, uh, if the, the, the spiritual aspect was brought in, unfortunately, it probably wouldn't be accepted in most of our, our uh, schools out here in, in the U.S. and in the West anyway. Uh, uh, so our hope is that by exposing kids to at it to a young age, uh, uh, even society can reap the benefits uh, of uh, secular mindfulness, and maybe a handful of, uh, of people will eventually kind of pursue the more spiritual practice. So thanks. That, that's a, a kind of a short answer about my, my thoughts on, on the definition of mindfulness. Cool. I appreciate it because there's uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people have different thoughts about what it, the word means. And so I appreciate you sharing that. And, you know, and uh, so let's talk about your original inspiration for this book. I mean, you you had to have it. At some point, I got to ask you, you, you got to have at some point said, you know, I need to write this book. Um, what was that inspiration for teaching mindfulness? What, what was it that you said, uh, hey, I got to make sure I do this? I'm so glad you asked because even even in in the publishing process, uh, nobody asked this. And, and, and it's such a great story that, that, that I do want to share it. Uh, so. Uh, Jana and I were actually expats living in Thailand. Uh, I was there running the counseling center at uh, Webster University, Thailand, an American university there in Thailand, and she was a, an international mindfulness educator and, uh, and, and doing uh, other things that she does there. And we were both part of this group called Trash Heroes Hua Hin, which, uh, which is a, a group that was founded in, in, in Thailand that goes every Sunday afternoon, we would go and we would pick up trash on the beach. 
And then we would have a, a meal together, often sponsored by a local restaurant. And so that's how we met. And and, and I like to think of even the, the act of picking up trash on the beach as kind of a mindfulness activity because you got all the sounds and the sights and you're very present. You can feel the sand under your toes. You can really uh, uh, hear and, and, and see and, and, and experience that, that experience there. And you're just focused on, you know, your attention is focused on where is that next little uh, a piece of uh, candy wrapper or, 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 or uh, you know, a bottle of, uh, of something, et cetera. So uh, as part of my job as the counseling center director, we put on a mindfulness kind of stress reduction workshop at the university. And naturally I wanted to share it with the world. So I mentioned it to our, our trash heroes group and, and Jana was one of the people that, that came and so that's when she told me about her work as an international mindfulness educator. And she also mentioned that she was interested in writing this book. And so, uh, you know, it's, it, it's really uh, kind of much of her genius idea. I have to give her credit for that. Uh, and she already had the title of, uh, called Mind, uh, Vowels of Mindfulness. And she had a lot of ideas already. She had already kind of begin, uh, you know, noting some of those exercises that she had been collecting uh, over the years from being a, 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 a teacher educator for, for so many years. And then even uh, uh, she had begun kind of writing her experiences. Of course, all of this had to be put together and edited and, and improved. And so uh, after that one conversation, that, that aligns so well with my own goals of bringing the mental health benefits of mindfulness to, to the world and, and uh, the stress reduction benefits to, to youth. So uh, during uh, our first uh, COVID-19 pandemic lockdown, we collaborated and we got this book uh, uh, done, basically. That's very cool. That's very cool. That's uh, it's it's a neat sort of thing. Uh, and then you took advantage of uh, COVID, which is nice. So <laughs> I think we, um, but uh, well, congrats because I'm always you know kind of amazed that uh, because an idea to make it into a published book, <laughs> there's there's a lot of things that interfere with that, and uh, it's cool to to hear what the original idea was and how that came about. So thanks for sharing that. You know, you know the layout of teaching mindfulness is excellent. I mean. I really like the use of colors and the fun depictions of humans and pets. And in the beginning of the book, you note that the book is focused on the vowels of mindfulness. Could you explain what this is and how it appears in the book? Because it's a cool little thing that you do. Uh, absolutely. So, so as I alluded to, when, when Jana approached me with this idea, she already had the title in mind, which was The Vowels of Mindfulness. And that's actually the title that we initially had uh, and, and, and we submitted for, for publication. So I really have to give her credit for this idea of, of using uh, the vowels a, as a mnemonic device. Uh, uh, however, the publisher wasn't sure if that would be kind of clear enough to the public on, on what it was all about. So we ended up settling on the title of, of teaching mindfulness rather than the vowels of mindfulness. And so, uh, you know, earlier you asked about what is mindfulness. And so we have our own kind of twist on our definition of mindfulness, which is the use of that handy mnemonic device using the kind of the Roman letter vowels, uh, A-E-I-O-U. Uh, and then in addition, we also added the Y uh, for you, uh, because we, we can't think about mindfulness and divorce it from 
you yourself. Uh, in fact, my motto is usually this, be curious about you. And I think the more curiosity you can have on yourself, the more mindfulness can, can work for you. So, uh, uh, briefly, I, I, I could share kind of A stands for attention, paying attention, right? Being here now. Uh, e stands for experience, really immersing yourself in that experience that you're having in that moment. I is investigate, right? And it aims to help you explore physical sensations in the body and what they're trying to tell you. Kind of uh, learning again to be curious about what's happening within you at, 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 with, without any of that judgment. Uh, o is observe. Uh, it, it helps, it aims to help you to really notice and respond to thoughts, feelings, etc. cetera, uh, and be curious about what's in your mind. Like I mentioned earlier, right? Really be curious about you. And then you is that uh, understanding. It, it aims to help you practice being kind to yourself. So that's, uh, those are the, the, the vowels of mindfulness. It's very cool. And it's, uh, and, and, and what's neat is that, uh, and we'll talk more about this, uh, as we move through this, but at the same time, uh, uh, what's awesome is that, uh, I mean, it's laid out like for a classroom teacher, um, in a, in a lesson plan type format. So that you could take what they're, what the authors are talking about and, uh, put it to use, which I think is really cool. So, uh, uh, more on that in just a second. So, so let's go ahead and start with a, a is for attention. Um, and I'm, I'm not gonna go through all of them. I'll save that for, they need to go buy the book and, and find the rest of them, but we're going to do the first couple. And, um, the, and the first one is A is for attention, focus or concentrate on what is happening now. So let's talk about that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, if, if you think back, I don't know, uh, before my time, maybe the, uh, the 70s or something, uh, Ram Das talked about be here now, right? And, and that, that, that's this uh, idea of, of just really be present in that moment and, and, and pay attention to what that moment has to offer. So that's what the A, the, you know, the first vowel is, is for attention, uh, aims to really bring you into that present moment by, by being still, learning to focus, paying attention to what is happening now rather than all the chatter that we might have from the past that can cause you feeling depressed because of different traumas and different problems that, that people had before or all the chatter and, and worry and stress about the future that, that can cause anxiety about what, what, what is to come, right? And so uh, another thing is that we can often be so distracted by everything that we feel uh, we can feel really scattered right there we're kind of inundated with with all kinds of different things that are grabbing our attention this way and that way uh, especially for children they're, they're, they're really kind of kind of scattered and thinking this way and, and that way and looking and and, and and you know really hard to pay attention there's all the screens and all the other distractions and so the first step is to just really notice things, just pay attention to your surroundings, right? You can't do any, anything else without kind of being in that, that, that attention. And research really supports that with practice, we can develop our ability to focus and pay attention uh, more. And, and of course, mindfulness is one of those, those ways of doing that. Some, some research will support that. We talk about that in the book on how, you know, developing that ability to, to pay more attention can also, of course, translate into, into good uh, outcomes for, for children. So thanks. Yeah, that's very cool, especially because, so like one of the things that's mentioned in, uh, in attention is, you know, the idea that, uh, um, you know, there's, 
there's some stats there about things that take our attention away from what we could be paying attention to, like checking your email and looking at your phone and stuff like this. And so I think that uh, I, I, this, is, this is very practical and very real here as you're talking about uh, helping them understand that. So very cool. I, so let's, you know, A is where the reader finds lesson one. There is a lesson body and several activities as well as a note from the author. What is cool is that it appears that a teacher could read tonight and put it into place in the classroom tomorrow. Is that the case? And is there a reason why, why you did this? Yeah, most definitely. So we are aware that teachers, parents, administrators, they're, they're going to have limited time. Right? They have lots of time restraints and challenges, especially if they want to implement new programs into a school system that already has a curriculum that's really set. And so our goal was to create a curriculum kind of so simple, as you said, right, that any teacher, any counselor, parent, caregiver can really deliver this with with ease, confidence. And so uh, I, I, I love the way you said, right, they could kind of read this the night before and uh, and, and then turn it around into the classroom the, the, the next day. Right. And so that makes that practical and realistic, even if it's something that isn't part of the official curriculum, which we would love for that to happen. In, in fact, in many parts in, of Asia, including Thailand, where, where we were living before, they do some kind of mindfulness practice sometimes daily with the students uh, from very young age. You know, we'd love to see all schools implement it into the, the real curriculum. Uh, but even if it's not, it's something that, that teachers could just do for five or 10 minutes or 15 minutes before a class starts at the beginning of the day or before lunch or, or, or things like that. So, so yeah, yeah. Our, our hope is that uh, e even without reading the, the, the whole book, you could just take a page out of the book and, and, and implement it the next day, like you said. That's cool. Cause I was wondering about that. Cause you could do that. You don't have to, I mean, it's, it's not like you have to go front to back or follow it, um, the, the vowels, the way they're laid out. I mean, so I think that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, so, so the next one, you know, we're at A and then E. So E is for experience. So let's talk a little bit about what the thoughts were behind experience. Yeah, yeah. So uh, again, like you said, E being experience, it really aims to help you kind of enjoy that present moment uh, by going into the five senses, so I often do this with my students. I just have them, you know, do a little bit of deep breathing at first and then just observing, right? What do you taste? What do you, what can you touch? How can you feel the, the, the sense of kind of where you're sitting, uh, the sense of the clothes on your body, where, where, where your hands are, right? Uh, what do you see? All the colors, the shapes, uh, all those things. Are there any kind of smells, pleasant smells or otherwise? And then certainly sounds, right? I might start them out, well, listen to the sound of my voice, and then I'll actually give them a, a chance to, to be quiet and listen to the sounds that might be within their body and then within the room, and then sometimes even extending out to other rooms. So it's all about kind of practicing focusing on those 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 five senses and, and being uh, present and, and, and enjoying that 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 experience. Uh, and pr again, pra practicing shifting from the the go to the the thinking, right? To just being, right? We, we we love to be doing, right? But really, we're human beings, as as they like to say. So, getting away from that thinking mode and doing mode into just being mode, and uh, and that less frequently used kind of sensing mode. And again, once again, it's just another way of uh, of appreciation for what is here and now. 
I love that. And it's, you know, too often we get uh, so caught up. And so they learn early on that, you know, once why I get it, you got to pay attention to what's, what's going on around you. And you got to, you got to, you know, ex- pull this experience out of whatever it is. You know, it's just, uh, you know, one of the, I used to work at a, a school that uh, it was so amazing at a certain time of the day. Um, if you had some of the classrooms that are on one side of the building, there were these birds that um, were, you didn't want to get rid of them. They weren't, <laughs> um, they, they were just there and they, that was the time of day they decided to talk a lot. And, uh, and it was, you know, just song, pretty songs. And it was like, uh, you know, you could go through the day and never notice <laughs> the birds or you could actually not only notice it, but you could actually, you know, use what that for part of your class to what's going on and what, why, you know, who these creatures are and what, what that whole experience is that you have. And it was kind of a cool thing. It's a nice relaxing time too. If you just kind of let it go, Oh, that's kind of whatever troubles I had, they kind of go away, you know, <laughs> but. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really good example there, Steve, of, uh, of using both those, right. That noticing, paying attention, the, the A, and then actually bringing in that experience. Uh, uh, so if you don't actually notice the birds first, you won't benefit from that relaxation and and, and, and experience of it. Thanks. I just, uh, um, the, uh, it, it, it's, it just kind of hit me because it was kind of like, uh, you know, cause just as a note, there's, there's anything around us, you know, whether you're talking about my experience with the birds or whatever, but it's like, you know, a lot of times we get into just doing whatever it is that we got to get done and, and, uh, and I think we learned that in an early age and, and instead would it just stop for a second and, and make that experience yours. You know, one of the things that I want to make sure I, I ask you about is that, uh, um, you know, you have throughout each of these sections, you have activities and, in, and, uh, and it explains, so there's not just like one, there's, there's multiple activities and explains how you could go through this to help them, um, for example, an E to help them experience. And, so, for example, one of these activities there is called nature walks. Could you, could you explain what you're thinking about here and uh, um, what's expected in this type of activity? Yeah, yeah. So this this idea comes out of uh, a Japanese uh, philosophy. Uh, I myself, I, I, I stayed in, in Japan for a bit. And if I'm not mistaken, if I can remember right, I think uh, Jana also was was in Japan for some time, and they call it Shinrin Yoku, which uh, which translates kind of as kind of Japanese forest bathing. And there's really a lot of nice scientific benefits uh, to forest bathing. You know, things like the autonomic uh, uh, nervous system calms down when you're spending time in nature. It can restore mood. It can help you give energy. Really lots of physio- physiological and psychological benefits of, of spending time in, in networks, nature, right? right? Really reducing, again, those, those physiological stress uh, indicators that uh, are are connected to our senses uh, when we when we spend that time in nature can really calm that down. Um, you know, you 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 even shared a, your example with the birds. That could be an example of that. Even if the you're you're in a a, a classroom that doesn't have uh, nature, uh, but but then you you have that little connection through the window, for example. Uh, even a, a single tree or a bush uh, around the school can serve as that connection between nature and human spirit. So it doesn't have to be the actual even going out into the forest. Although that would be a great 
field trip for for kids to do uh you know there may be you know that focus on some uh some uh potted plants in the corner or just going out into the schoolyard and and, and seeing the grass or something in, in nature and that way it can have those those benefits and there, there are even some studies that have done this kind of forest bathing where people have just put nature uh, images on a computer screen and sometimes having some of those those uh, blood pressure and heart rate uh, decreases uh, in, in, in the stress levels based on that even. That's cool because just to know what you're making me think of is in a previous uh, work life I was in a in a building that was pretty much enclosed and so a lot of times to uh, um, get rid of stress because I'd go out in the I did I do recreational kayaking i'm i'm not the type that goes off of waterfalls and things all right I just, um but uh, i'd film some of the water and the waterfalls and and so if i ever feel stress i just put them on my computer screen and you know it's like away it goes so that i gotta say that uh, is definitely something that works it, where i work now it's cool because across the street from it is a pasture of horses and uh they have this big land area to wander through and every once in a while they're up at the front and it just you know, the people, <laughs> my colleagues who are used to it probably think I'm nuts, but uh, you know, it's once in a while, it's like, you just kind of look out at them and it's like, all your troubles go away. You just kind of pay attention to them. So uh, very cool. I appreciate you explaining that. Um, and that's, and it's neat because you have multiple types of activities like this that uh, help them use the, you know, whatever the vowel is um, for that part of the book. Uh, you know, at the end of each section is a lesson recap. What are you hoping that the reader will do here? Yeah, uh, well, I, I think that that's just good teaching practice. You know, I'm, I'm a professor, and my uh, uh, co-contributor to the, to the uh, book is also a mindfulness educator. And so, first, you know, we learn that it's it's good to kind of give an overview, tell students what you're going to cover, uh, then cover it in more depth, uh, then then review. So our recaps often include things like challenging questions to help integrate that learning and, and develop critical thinking. So just a, a way of, of teaching and, and more solidifying the, the lesson for them. Very nice. I think it does a good job of that. So kudos, kudos there. The, uh, you know, if, so I got to ask you, you know, so, and by the way, so for listeners, I'm going to stop there. Cause you know, it's like, it's like a, it's a book, all right. You gotta you gotta get the book, and you gotta go go through. So I'm not going to have them give away all the uh, all the vowels to you, but uh, it's awesome. It's written in it, like I said, in a style to, um, in which you could put this. You read it today and put it in your classroom tomorrow. And there's suggestions for the lesson plan and all that that uh, help you write it, which is awesome. And, but so I got to ask you if if you were presenting at a conference of educators on your book, teaching mindfulness, a guidebook for teachers, parents, counselors, and caregivers, what's one thing that you would want to make sure that they leave thinking about? Yeah, well, uh, I really think, especially after writing this book, about how mindfulness can improve society at, on every level, uh, not just improve in individuals, but really improve society. It can be used as a preventative tool, helping young children cope with emotional issues in today's kind of really complex and fast-paced society. Uh, you know, at, at the same time, we also hope to help the adults that, that are uh, working with these children because they can kind of vicariously benefit also through these mindfulness exercises, you know, and they can manage their kind of increasing levels of stress by, by engaging in these uh, mindfulness uh, things uh, themselves. 
if you read uh, our book's intro, you'll really realize so many of those benefits, uh, not just for kids, but also adults, uh, you know, things like improved social skills, self-awareness, better memory, better mood, other mental health indices, you know, reduced stress and anxiety. I already mentioned, you know, self-regulation of emotions, even academic achievement, GPA goes up, uh, encouraging this kind of growth mindset that we're talking about these days in, in education and even boosting happiness, right? And so, again, I think the, the biggest message here is we believe this should be taught in every school at a very early age. Uh, we give the tools to do that, the fun activities for even as, as young as five-year-olds. You know, any any five-year-olds can learn to pay attention by following a flashlight uh, uh, beam across the, the classroom. Um, because, uh, again, it's it's been shown to have potential to really drastically improve every imaginable sector in society, right? You find somebody that has better self-esteem, is performing better, is happier. They're not gonna be committing crimes, for example. They're gonna be contributing more to, to society. So that, that would just be one simple example of, of how uh, we really believe that, that putting mindfulness in, in every school uh, or, or, every, or, or, or maybe not even every school because there are homeschools children out there in front of every child, we should say, uh, is really a way to to, to make a difference in, in our society in, in the long run. Excellent. Thanks for, thanks for sharing that. So this is, this is cool. I, you know, Amanita, we're getting close to finishing up. And if someone wanted to learn more, where would you send them? Yeah, I think if you just go to the Google Books, uh, uh, you know, my, teaching mindfulness uh, on, on Google Books, there are uh, a free sample on there. A lot of the the, the exercises you can just uh, take and use. You could try it out. You don't even need to get the the, the entire book. You could kind of just get started there and, and, and learn about some of these benefits and, and and try some of the things out. It's it's already kind of laid out if you have a, a smartphone or a computer. And that's excellent. The uh, and as as a note, I spent a little bit of time on the Google Books thing. I was kind of impressed with how they kind of laid that out. Like I mean, how that was laid out like that. So good stuff. Um, very cool. Well, I'll have information and contact information in the show notes so that they uh, can easily go to that Google Books or reach out to you all and uh, um, you know hopefully connect and find out the answers to whatever else they have. So good stuff. Um, so I got two more questions, Amanita and. Uh, these are questions that I like to ask my guest, and it goes like this. Um, the first one is, how do you keep going when so much is going on that you may want to quit? Yeah, yeah, really, really uh, a good question there. So like everyone, I, I face challenges and experience in intense circumstances almost every day. And I, I feel like mindfulness can can help me with, with some of those things. You know, I'm not uh, immune to life stressors. In fact, I, I have a lot of them as, as a counselor, as a university professor. There are things popping up uh, all the time. Uh, you know, you could take today, for example, I, I, I could have been up half the night last night stressing about this interview with you today, Steve, right? Uh, uh, and that might have been how I might have been if uh, prior to, to having some some mindfulness uh, in my life. And I'm, I'm not going to say that, 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 that I don't get uh, stressed like that ever. Uh, but but in, instead, you know, if, if I do remember to kind of catch myself, 
Uh, I try to remind myself that being able to sleep well or to relax in this moment, that I have a chance to be mindful, will really help me take on those challenges that lay ahead. It'll be easier for me to do that. Uh, and that that worrying now or when I'm trying to sleep or relax or something is really not going to help at all. In fact, it's going to make it harder for me to think quickly on this interview, for example, right, if, uh, if that were the case. So I often employ a lot of these different mindfulness techniques um, to kind of quiet that that mind chatter that that we all get in, in those uh, uncomfortable emotional reactions. And, uh, and you know, somewhat like, like you mentioned with, with the horses, I like to have some kind of little mindfulness uh, reminders. Uh, you know, there, there's one that when I know that I'm spending uh, uh, too much time on, on the computer or email, I have this, this thing where, where it takes 30 seconds after I press send on an email before it, it, it sends where I could kind of, uh, kind of go back on that. So I use those 30 seconds, very few, very, very little time out of the day. And, and of course my urge is, oh, let me just jump on to that next, uh, next email or that next task. But I'll use those 30 seconds to look out my window. I, I'm lucky like you, I have a wonderful view, view of the mountains here in Colorado, often snow capped in the winters now, like, and so that, that's, uh, that, that's a way that, that I might do that. Uh, I've taken those 30 seconds. There are other things, you know, that, that that are mindfulness reminders apps and things that people can put on their computers or or their uh, uh, or their phones to to, to kind of just remind randomly remind you to take a little mindfulness break. Uh, another one that I that I love to use that's in our book is one that 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 we borrowed from. Uh, uh, someone else that's called the uh, little green dots. And basically that's putting little green stickers on different things like, like my water bottle and my keys. And when I notice that is, is that just little tiny reminder that that little green sticker to take a few deep breaths and be mindful in that moment and then continue going about your day. So yeah, thanks a lot for that, for that question. That's cool. I like your answer. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, last question. Do you have a teacher in your past who made a difference in your life? If so, who was it? And what would you say if given the chance to say, thank you? Yeah, another, another great question and a hard one because I, I've had so many uh, teachers over the, the many years, uh, starting with my own parents and, and siblings all the way through my, my PhD studies. Uh, but what a lot of people don't realize is I never went to high school. I never stepped into a high school classroom and during, during my teens. Uh, I, I just went to work when I was 15, for example. I still read and I enjoyed learning. Uh, and so when I was 17, I went to a GED class. And uh, at, at this moment, I can't even recall my teacher's name, but I can picture his face. And I really clearly remember how encouraging he was to my learning. He was really, uh, really uh, appraising of how, how kind of well I was doing on, on, on the practice exams. And, uh, and then the, the big piece was his encouragement to enroll in college. And certainly I would not be here today uh, and doing what, what, what I'm doing if I hadn't gone, uh, gone on to college. Uh, uh, not to say that that's not possible, right? My, my cousin is a best-selling author and he never, uh, he's a high school dropout himself, uh, but certainly going to college gave me the skills to, to write this book, for, for example. So, yeah, 
I would, I, I, in, in terms of thank you, I would say uh, to, to that teacher, really appreciate the, the, that, that encouragement and that push and that belief in me that, 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 that I, could, I could do more than, than that manual labor that I was doing when, when I enrolled in the GED class. So th- thank you. That is so cool. Thank you for sharing. And Amanita, it was awesome talking with you today. Thanks for sharing your book, Teaching Mindfulness, a guidebook for teachers, parents, counselors, and caregivers. Great ideas and focus. I love the way the book presents the ideas and suggestions for helping the teacher teach mindfulness. Uh, Wishing the best in all you do. Absolutely, Steve. It's a real honor to be on this show and and, and to talk with you and and, and, uh, complete these really uh, great and challenging questions you gave today. Hey, you have been listening to Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12, a podcast to help you help kids achieve their dreams. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is a member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 is a member of the podcast network based in Canada called Voice Ed Radio. Voice Ed Radio, your voice is right. The opinions expressed on Teaching, Learning, Leading K-12 are those of the guests and hosts. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is intended to share ideas, advice, and suggestions. Teaching Learning Leading K-12 is produced for educational purposes. Hey, thanks for listening. It would be awesome if you visited my website at stephenmaletto.com and connected with me, left a review, and listened to more episodes. And by the way, you could also share it with your friends, with your family, and uh, your colleagues. Thanks so much. You're awesome.